0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus. And thank you for every part of the investment that you have made in the past, you are making now, and you will make in the future, to open up the door for us to know you, love you, and walk with you. And now, Father, as we open up your word, I pray that the words of our mouth And the meditation of our heart would be acceptable unto you and give glory and praise and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray and continue to worship now. Amen. As you take your seat this morning, I invite you to open up your Bible with me to Matthew 21. I'm going to read for us. Today, verses 1 through 11, the words will be on the screen if you want to follow along with us or follow along in in your Bible. Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, "'Hosanna to the Son of David!' Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord for our hearts today. So after two and a half months of worshiping through the message of Jesus that we call the Sermon on the Mount, we turn today to the application of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The Christian church calls today Palm Sunday. And before you leave today, I pray and trust that you understand why it's referred to as Palm Sunday. The, The triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem took place in the beginning of the last days of the life of Jesus as He walked here on this earth. It marked the beginning of the week of the illegal trial of Jesus, the torturous death of Jesus, and ultimately Him hanging on the cross and bleeding and dying for you and me. Until this last week in the life of Jesus, he warned people not to disclose his identity. For example, in Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 4, he healed a leper and he said to the leper in verse 4, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. In Matthew chapter 9, the following chapter, verses 27 to 31, Jesus restored the sight to two blind men. And he said in verse 30, See that no one knows about it. Again, in the great confession of Jesus, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 20, as he revealed himself to his disciples as the Messiah, the Christ of the living God, the Son of the living God. Jesus strictly charged His disciples to tell no one that He was the Christ. Jesus knew that any proclamation of Him as, as King would, would not set well with Rome. It would risk jeopardizing His life prematurely. Jesus had a mission to fulfill And he was not going to let anything stand in the way of him fulfilling that mission. So the mission of Jesus, that he knew, was much bigger than overthrowing the Roman government. His mission was to set the whole world free from sin. And nothing again could distract him from fulfilling that mission. My wife and I recently attended a wedding in the upstate of our state of South Carolina. The wedding was held at a, at a restored building. In fact, there were a number of restored buildings in a section on a waterway on the riverfront in downtown Greenville. Very exciting, attractive place. When we walked in the door, the usher asked us, as he did everyone, to remain downstairs until an appropriate time when they would tell us we could go upstairs for the ceremony. Well, we so enjoyed looking at the renovated building, checking out all the, the, the work that had gone into restoring such a beautiful high vaulted ceiling. Uh, the walls had been restored. The floors had been restored. It was a beautiful sight. We were pulled into a side room to enjoy some time of fellowship with the uh, the parents and the grandparents of the groom. And uh, that was an engaging time. There were pictures on the wall. My point is, we could have spent the whole day walking around that building, looking at the outside of that building, looking at the inside of that building, and we would have missed our point for being there if we had not attended the ceremony of the wedding. Why are you here today? What brings you to a place like this to go through a service like this? My prayer today is that you will not miss the main reason for being here by just going through a ritual, by going through what might be a habit in your life. But I pray today that you will do exactly what we have constructed this service for, and that is to turn your attention toward God and let Him speak to you and let Him change your life as He changes my life and let Him be glorified through the experience that you have today with worship. Earlier in our service today, in the first service, we had children up here from our weekday program playing handbells, and it would have been so, uh, it would been so, uh, you know, Disappointing for parents to come and watch their children perform and miss the whole reason for really being here. And that is truly giving praise and honor and glory to the God who created those children, who loves those children. And I hope you understand that you are here today to worship and celebrate and have communion with Jesus because He loves you. And because He wants to have fellowship with you. And that you won't just sit and go through the motions of worship. But that you will truly engage with Him and let Him invade your heart with His presence. As you give praise and worship to Him. You were created by God to know Him. And to have fellowship with Him. And to walk with Him. And today, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, we will come to understand that when Jesus came to this point in His mission, He turned everything toward that part of why He came here, that part of His mission. And so today, I want you to go with me on this journey with Jesus. As He walks into Jerusalem for the last time before He goes through the cruel part of His life where He was totally, totally abandoned he was totally abolished by those who were to love him the most i pray that traveling this journey with jesus will help you be aware of the fact that he established his mission that he continued with his mission he completed his mission and that you'll let him establish that mission and complete that mission and fulfill that mission in your life today as well. So let's look at it. First of all, in verses 1 through 3 of Matthew chapter 21, we see that Jesus established His mission. Verse 1 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage. Bethpage, by the way, was about two and a half miles from Jerusalem. It was a place where Jesus often went when He would come to Jerusalem for festivals and so forth. He had many friends there. He loved so dearly. Uh, Bethpage and Bethany were two of his favorite spots to hang out when he came to Jerusalem. So he came near Jerusalem, came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. And He will send them at once. Now really, think about that for a minute. Does that make sense to you? That Jesus would send two of His disciples into a town and say, bring back a colt. Bring back the donkey. And if anybody asks you about it, just say, the Lord needs them. I mean, that would kind of be like me taking two leaders of our church and say, Okay, guys, go over here to Fowler Motors and um, bring back a Hummer and a Tesla. If anybody asks you why you're getting these cars that are out in front of the showroom, tell them Pastor Ronnie needs them. They'll let them come. (laughs) What in the world established the authority for Jesus to be able to say that and then have it done? Well, in Matthew chapters 8 through 20, we see why. If you were were to go back this afternoon or sometime this week and read Matthew's gospel from chapter 8 through chapter 20, here's some of the things that you would find that establish the mission and establish the authority that Jesus had in this area. First of all, the miracles of Jesus established that authority. He healed those with fever like, Peter's wife, Simon Peter's mother in law, excuse me. He healed her great fever and restored her life. You would see that Jesus cast out demons. He healed paralytics, people who could not even hardly move around, and miraculously healed them. Miraculously, Jesus raised the dead. He made people who were mute, who who couldn't speak, be able to speak again. He he gave sight back to blind people. He restored a withered hand that a man had and made it completely whole, completely well. He walked across water like it was, you know, ground. He took a handful of food two times and one time fed 5,000 people. More than 5,000. Another time he fed more than 4,000 people with just a handful of food. He walked out on the water, stormy water. He stuck out his hand and he said to Simon Peter, Come here, walk across this water and join me. His voice was a voice of command. Jesus established His authority and people around Him knew that He had established that authority by all these miraculous works that He had done. He also established His authority by calling disciples to leave behind their old way of life and come follow Him. And because he was the voice of authority immediately, they left what they were doing, whether they were fishing or collecting taxes or whatever they were doing, they left it behind and followed him. He had a voice of authority. His teaching was clear. He said to them, there's a high cost to following me. If anyone follows me, he must deny himself. How about that? Take up his cross. Follow me. The voice of authority spoke and people went into action in following Jesus. Why? Well, Jesus was a man of integrity. He never lied. He, he always told the truth. He never took anything that didn't belong to him. He always destroy, he always uh, displayed a prophetic message that was attractive, that called people to follow Him. He stood up against the religious order of His day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Scribes. And He put into action and into motion what God's Word really said rather than what they proclaimed that it said. And He stood and contradicted them. He was very open with His disciples. He said, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to rise again. He told the whole truth, he told the message. So when Jesus told these disciples to go and retrieve the colt and the donkey, his voice of authority went before him. And so there was a positive response. He established his mission but he always tied what he said to the context of faith. For example, Jesus looked at the blind men, two blind men. Matthew records this. He says, "Do you believe?" And when they responded, "Yes," he restored their sight. He he said to the man with the withered hand. He said, "Do you believe?" And when the man said, "Yes, I have faith," his hand was healed. And restored. When he said to the woman who had the dead child. He said, do you believe? She said, yes, I believe. He said, go back home. Your your daughter's alive. And she was. He held out his hands to Simon Peter in the stormy waters. And he said, do you believe? If so, step out of the boat. (laughs) You know, show your faith. Get out of the boat and come to me. And he got out of the boat and he came to Jesus. He believed. So on this Palm Sunday, 2023, do you understand that Jesus has done everything possible to say to you, do you believe? And you say in your heart, and you lay down your life, and say with your life, yes, I believe. Matthew chapter 28, Verse 18, the Bible says, all authority, Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus has all authority. And to some of you today, you're hearing Him say to you, maybe for the first time, only believe. Are you willing to put your faith in me? The voice of authority is calling you to Him. And I trust and pray that you'll only believe. So what's holding you back? What holds anybody back from yielding to the authority of Jesus? What's keeping you from letting the authority of Jesus control your life and control your actions today? Well, far too many people would say something like, well, I'm afraid of what Jesus might ask me to give up if I want to follow Him. Listen, anything that you have or own or do that Jesus would ask you to give up to follow Him is not worth you having anyway. It shouldn't be your ultimate possession, your ultimate goal in life. Someone once said that fear ends where faith begins. And that is so true. Anything that Jesus asked you to give up in order to follow Him... Is not worth having, especially not worth putting in front of Him anyway. Jesus has all authority. So the, the call today is for you to yield your life to Him. Let Him take control of your life. When He instructed His disciples to go and bring back that colt and donkey, His authority was revealed. And I challenge you today, make sure your faith is established in Him today. Make sure you have said, I do believe. I do trust Jesus. I do put my faith in Jesus. Jesus established His mission, and I want to challenge you today to make sure you Let him establish his mission in you. Secondly, not only did Jesus establish his mission, Jesus fulfilled his mission. Look at verses 4 through 9 of chapter 21 of Matthew. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast a burden. See, the mission of Jesus was to go to the cross at just the right time. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, He knew that the cross was before Him. A couple of years ago, we did a study of the book of Mark. I love how Mark phrases this part of the mission of Jesus. He said, when Jesus left Galilee... Jesus ran toward Jerusalem. He didn't run away from the cross, he ran to the cross. And yes, there were some blind men along the way who asked Jesus to heal them. He stopped long enough to heal them, but then boom, straight to Jerusalem he went, and that's where we find him today. Jesus entered Jerusalem knowing that he was fulfilling these prophecies from Isaiah chapter 62 verse 11 and Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. The colt and the donkey communicated the fact that Jesus was coming as a Messiah of peace. Most of the crowd was looking to Him to be a mighty warrior, to come riding in on a stallion, to come riding in on a, on a mighty horse. But that's not what the mission of Jesus was. Jesus fulfilled His mission by coming in On the foal of a donkey. With a donkey riding beside its side. He was coming as a Messiah of peace. Don't let another day go by. Without letting the peace of Jesus fill your heart. And control your heart. There's nothing that should take priority over Him. And when He comes as your Messiah, as the one who sets you free from captivity to sin, He replaces with the fear in your life a peace that you can't get anywhere else other than through trusting Jesus. Beginning with verse 6 of Matthew 21, The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Thus we get the name Palm Sunday. They cut the branches. They put the branches on the ground for Jesus to enter on. It was kind of like rolling out the red carpet for him. Verse 9, the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So what was going on this week? Why was this the perfect time for Jesus to enter Jerusalem for the last time and go through what we know as his passion, the Passion Week? Well, this was the week of the the festival, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was culminated in Passover. Every year, Jewish people would gather in Jerusalem and they would celebrate the meaning of Passover. Uh, Passover was a memory of the time when God delivered Israel, the Israelites, from bondage, from slavery in Egypt. And on that Last night that they were in Egypt, God told Moses to instruct the people to take the best lamb that they had, to sacrifice that lamb and put the blood over the doorpost and the mantle of every house. It's a very somber time because death occurred for the children of Israel to be released from Egypt. Death occurred for that lamb because his blood became the substitute for the death angel and allowed him to pass over every house where the blood was over the doorpost and the mantle of the house. To pass over that house, every other Egyptian family had the firstborn son, the firstborn male animal in their flock die that night. It was a somber time in Egypt. But for Israel, because of the blood of the Lamb over the doorpost, because of the blood of the Lamb, they were saved. They were set free from bondage. And ultimately, Pharaoh said, get out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. I don't want to even hear of you anymore. And so they were set free. Passover was a very significant time for Israelites, when Jesus entered into the city on that Passover. And it set the stage for you and me today celebrating communion. Jesus used that event to say, yes, that lamb was slain and the blood was put over the doorpost, the door was put over the mantle, so the death angel would pass over that house, every house. For you and me, Jesus was saying on that particular Thursday, that particular Passover feast celebration night. He was saying for once and for all, the Lamb of God has been slain. His blood pays the price for the penalty of your sin. So until I come back again, celebrate. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, remember what I've done for you. Remember that I've Given you the ability to pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. I provided a way to set you free from the penalty of your sin. Yes, Passover was a night the Israelites never wanted to forget. And what Jesus did with Passover for you and me, with taking the bread and taking the cup, Is something you and I never want to forget either. We can't imagine what that week was like. The festival of unleavened bread and Passover in Jerusalem. I mean, if you could imagine every Jewish person converging on one city in one particular week. It would be kind of like you know if 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 every american was called to go to washington dc <laughs> on the 4th of july of that week and to celebrate the 4th of july could you imagine how crowded that would be how cumbersome that would be to get around that was the occasion that jesus chose that god chose for jesus to make his final entry into jerusalem Je- jesus entered jerusalem on that colt And again, the people did just roll out the red carpet for him. They were overexcited for his arrival. And so they burst out in praise and worship of what they claimed and thought to be their Messiah. They laid their clothes down on the ground. They laid palm branches down on the ground in honor of that occasion to celebrate their praise and worship of the Messiah coming into Their city. Matthew Henry is a commentator from the last century. He commentated that, and I quote, those who take Christ as king must lay their all under his feet as well. Now think about that for a minute. Are you willing to lay your all down for Jesus today? As He approaches your life, as He comes toward your life, and as He wants to enter your life, are you willing to lay your all down before Him and say, I surrender all, everything I have, everything I am, I'm willing to give to you, Jesus. You know, Danny and I were talking about this Friday. This, this rich young ruler came to Jesus one day and said, Jesus, I want to be one of your disciples. What must I do to be one of your disciples? Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, I've done that since my youth. I mean, this was a good moral person according to the world standard. And Jesus looked at him and Jesus said, okay, that's great. Now go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then come and follow me. The Saddest words in scripture. Matthew records that young man bowed his head, lowered his head, and walked away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. He was not willing to lay his all before Jesus. It would be an awesome thing if some of us today would lay our all before Jesus. For some of us, that would be taking the good works that we're trying to do to please God And just lay them before Jesus. To some it might be taking addictions that we sang about a few minutes ago. Saying, you know, it's not worth it for me to continue chasing an addiction that's leading me to destruction anyway. I want to lay that at the feet of Jesus and honor Him by giving up and turning turning away from it. Again, anything that God leads you to lay at the feet of Jesus is not worth keeping anyway. It's just not. So a praise chorus arose in the name of Jesus. A praise chorus rose that first Palm Sunday when the crowd said, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know what this word Hosanna means? The, The word Hosanna simply means save now. The crowds looked at Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on a colt. And they said, finally, after hundreds and hundreds of years, where Isaiah and Zechariah had predicted that Messiah is coming, here he is, riding on a colt, just like they said. Praise God, Hosanna in the highest. They were looking for the Son of God to overthrow the Roman government. To release the noose that Rome had around their necks and set them free. Now, Jesus fulfilled his mission, but he fulfilled his mission on his terms. Don't make the mistake that most of the people did that day as Jesus entered Jerusalem and expect Jesus to enter your life and you enter his life on your terms. Big difference. Big difference. Some people would say something like, I'll worship you, Jesus, if it's convenient for me. If I don't have anything else to do, I'll I'll worship you. Or I'll worship you and serve you if I can get something back out of it. Or I'll praise you and worship you As long as everything's going great in my life. That is not the deal. That's coming to Jesus on my terms, on your terms, rather than coming on His terms. I know some people wear necklaces around their neck. Nothing wrong with that. Crosses on their neck. They don't even know what that means. They want to just say that they're a Christian and so they wear the cross around their neck. Some people wear t-shirts with Jesus' message on them and it's okay to do that, but most people who wear those T-shirts don't really know what they really mean. Some people put bumper stickers on their car, ride around with bumper stickers on their car. It says, I love Jesus. I remember one time I was pastoring this church, and I had a bumper sticker on the back of my car It said, Follow me to this church. This car passed me, and I tooted my horn and passed them and got back around them, and I said, Oh, no, I got that bumper sticker on the back of my car. They might do it. They might follow me to church and beat me up. <clears throat> but when the pressures of life squeeze, like we talked about last week, when the winds blow and the rains come, the storms come in life, when I'm squeezed, is what really comes out Jesus That's what it means to follow Him on His terms. For no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the pressure is, Jesus is going to come out when I'm squeezed. One crowd in our world today has terms and conditions that are different from the mission of Jesus. And when the pressure comes they turned their backs on Jesus. Or they turned toward Him to say, Crucify Him, crucify Him, which is exactly what the Jerusalem crowd cried out. A number of years ago, God called us to plant a church, not this church, but another church. And I remember calling a person that I respect as much as anybody in this world. Told him what God had called us to do, and he said... You're making the biggest mistake of your life. I had to make a choice. Was I going to choose to follow what I knew God was calling me to do? Or was I going to fall under the pressure, the peer pressure of someone of this world? So Jesus established His mission and called disciples to have faith... He fulfilled His mission and called disciples to follow Him. He said, lay down your life. Lay your all down. Be willing to give up everything in order to follow Me. I pray that that's you today. I pray that you've come to that point that you hear Jesus knocking at your heart's door. He wants to enter your life just like He entered Jerusalem that day. He wants to have control of your life and charge of your life so that you can really live. So that you can complete your purpose and fulfill your purpose to know Him and to walk with Him and to give glory to Him. And that leads to the last sentence in the 21st chapter of this section of Matthew. Jesus completed His mission. He completed His mission. We see in verses 10 and 11... When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So Jesus entered Jerusalem to fulfill his mission of authority and superiority over Jewish leaders. And the rest of the 21st chapter of Matthew, all the way through the 27th chapter of Matthew, we see that Jesus completed His mission. Um, Immediately after leaving this context, He cleansed the temple, for example. Then He predicted the fall of the temple. He said, you tear this temple down, three days later I'm going to build it up again. The Jewish leaders were stirred up. They said, who is this? that thinks he can build a temple in three days after it's torn down. Well, the temple was a very special place for Jewish people. It's where the presence of God existed prior to this. And Jesus completed the mission of God by establishing that no longer was the physical structure of the temple where the presence of God existed and dwelt. But from the resurrection of Jesus on, the temple of God would be in the hearts and lives of believers like you are when you come to that point in your life where you give your life to Jesus and trust Him, put your faith in Him, turn away from your sin, turn to glorifying Him with your life. Then you become the temple of God where the presence of God dwells. The corporate church The corporate body of Christ around the world is where the temple of God exists today. And so Jesus completed his mission by saying to those religious leaders, you tear it down three days later, I'm going to raise it up. So to prepare for the completion of the mission of Jesus. First of all, he was anointed in Bethany by a woman who brought an alabaster flask of expensive ointment. This puzzled the disciples. They said, who is this? Even those who had walked with him for the prior three years. Who is this? When Jesus explained that it was done to prepare him for burial. And then on that Thursday, just five days after triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem just 5 days later he shared the lord's supper communion with his disciples he went to gethsemane and he prayed so diligently that it was like blood flowed from his sweat he was so urgent about his prayer He was betrayed by one of His chosen disciples, Judas, who turned Him over to the authorities. He was denied in the courtyard by Simon Peter, one of His chief disciples. And then He went through an illegal trial where He was convicted Of something that he was totally innocent of. He was beaten to the point beyond recognition. He had the crossbar of the cross put on his shoulders and commanded to carry his cross to Calvary. He suffered and was tortured and then was crucified on that Roman cross, that cruel Roman cross. Why did he do that? Why did he go go to that extent to come into Jerusalem, rush into Jerusalem, so that those kinds of things could unfold in his life in those five days in front of him? Well, he did it because It was his mission. He did it because he loves you and me and every person who lives on planet Earth so much. He suffered and bled and died for you and me. That was his mission. The Bible says that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. What, what is the Bible talking about when it talks about sin? Well, sin the sin that Jesus died for is you being God of your life rather than letting God be God of your life. It's you rebelling against God. It's you being prideful. And selfish. And saying, I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I don't even want to think about Jesus. That's the sin that will separate you from God. And that's the sin that the perfect, precious, holy Lamb of God died for. He was righteous. And He wants to share His righteousness with you and me. So we can live eternally. Both here on this earth. And in eternity with him at the end of this part of the story of Jesus he lay dead in a tomb he did all that he experienced he experienced everything he experienced because he loves you and me so much but at the end of this part of his mission he lay dead in his tomb The mission was completed that He came to fulfill. And now He calls you and me to lay down our life and let Him raise us up again to let God use your life and let God use the work that He does in your life to glorify Him. Yeah, it's it's exciting to check out restored buildings. It's fascinating as a matter of fact. But when there's an event that draws you to that building, you don't want to miss the event by just admiring the building. And God doesn't want you to just go through this life admiring what He's done for you without owning it. And accepting the main reason why He came to this earth. That was to die for you. This Palm Sunday, 2023. It's important for you to be willing to lay down anything that might be holding you back from trusting your life to Jesus, giving your life to Him. It's important that you be willing to lay down anything that might draw you back from serving Him and honoring Him and glorifying Him with your life. Don't miss the reason why God has put you here, and that is to know Him through Jesus To love Him and to serve and glorify Him with your life. Jesus laid down His life. He accomplished His mission. Let Him accomplish that mission in your life today and every day. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I'd like to invite you to take out your communion pack that is near you on your seat and peel the top off of the bread and off of the cup. Today we're offering communion for those who have committed your life to Jesus and followed Him obediently in baptism, believers' baptism. The main event celebrating what jesus instituted from the passover meal is intended to remind you the bread that jesus left heaven and he became flesh he came to this earth and lived a perfect life the cup reminds us that he suffered and died and he bled great drops of blood on calvary's cross that roman cross To set you free from the penalty of your sin you don't have to die and go to hell you don't have to spend life on this earth separated from god jesus has paid the price with his blood to set you free from the penalty of sin and so today as we celebrate the main reason for being here we remember the mission of jesus is to live for you, and die for you so that you can die to yourself and live to Him. So Jesus said to His disciples that night, as they shared the Passover meal, He said, this bread, this bread is my body given for you. This cup is given. To pay the price for the penalty of your sin and as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup remember me until i come again father i thank you that you paid the price and gave your all to establish your mission and to fulfill your mission and then to complete your mission and God your message is clear to us you love us you love us enough to not hold us guilty for the penalty of our sin because you have paid the price for that sin you have become the sacrificial lamb to set us free from the penalty Of sin and death and ultimately God when we put our faith and trust in you and give our life to you we're restored we're given new life we're made new in Christ and so today I pray that not one person would leave here without putting our faith and trust in you and saying God I admit that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent and turn away from my sin and I turn totally to you, and I want the rest of my life to bring honor and glory to you. God, help us to be faithful. Help us to respect you and honor you. And thank you for reminding us through the bread and through the cup of what you've done to draw us to yourself. And we want to continue to fellowship with you every day of our life in Jesus' name.